So today's topic is masculinity. What does masculinity mean to you? How do you define being a man? And who defined that for you? So for me, masculinity would be what I seen from my father growing up. The dad was at work, mum was in the house. He was a father figure of the house and she was the one who looked after the house and the kids. That was my perception growing up. That's why I understood, well, he's a man, that's what a role of a man is. And that was my understanding, it was simple as that. As you get older, and the other thing I would say about that is, it's also a very, very much of a strong cultural uh, value as well. Um, so in our culture, it's always seen like that. Women just look after the household, they look after the kids, they do the cooking, they do the cleaning, they do all that, that's their role. The guy goes out to work, not the women. I did not feel comfortable with those values that I grew up with. I thought men and women should be in an even keel. You give respect and you receive respect. You share the responsibilities as well. And for me, that kind of changed my perception of masculinity. That was kind of, and up till now, being a father and, you know, being a husband, I still believe my role is to protect and look after my family, you know. And I don't mean that um, I'm in charge, I'm the guy and it's up to me. But when it comes down to it, I need to protect my family, I'll do it. You know, because, not because I'm a man, it's a masculine thing to do. I'm probably stronger than, than my wife or whatever. Nothing to do with that, just that was my own perception, you know. I will do what it takes to protect my family and if it means putting myself in harm's way, you know, I'll do it without thinking about it. And I guess some people will well, would say that that is masculinity, which is fine, you know, see it as it is, whatever you may want to label it, but for me that's the way I perceive it anyway. For me, I think um, I didn't have that opportunity to learn from a male figure. Yeah. It's until, uh, I think, until I was about 13, uh, 14, uh, when my mom got married again. Um, that's when I had a role model. Mm. And, and for me, in my family, I'm the only boy yeah. with three girls who are older than me. Um, and so, to a certain extent, I didn't get that a lot in terms of role model and I yearned for it. And so when it came to going to school, I always wanted, I, had, I wanted those boys and I wanted to do stuff with the boys and, and things like that. Because for me, I didn't have a brother at home. It was the girls and I was the younger one. So uh, I kind of uh, filled that with the friends, which then at a certain extent, I think it uh, drew me to wrong crowds because I was doing it for a, reason, a, a wrong reason. Yeah. Um, but then I grow up and then, I think at the age of 18, I get to a place where I'm, I'm, I'm just frustrated and not angry, but frustrated because I'm desperate for a role model, a male mm. role model in my life. 
And so at one point I sit down with my mom and ask her, Where's my dad? Because I always had these stories of where he was and where he lives and, and all those things that I wanted to connect. So for me, that is something that I have learned as well mm. on my own. Mm. Um, because again, coming from uh, communities, African communities, uh, you hear those stories of being a man, you're mm. supposed to be bold and mm. fight for your family and stand up and all those things. So along the way, you start to learn and take on those responsibilities. Um, but now living in, in Scotland, it's a different perspective as well. So it's not just a man providing and doing mm. all these things about the female, mm. but it's actually allowing the other person as well to be on equal ground, mm. if you like. And so I think for me, I've learned these things as I've gone by. Yeah. Um, it wasn't anything that you know was that I saw um, uh, from my dad. It's things that I've learned from my uncles, from the community, from uh, friends around myself, and and, and sometimes it's uh, required me to make decisions, tough decisions. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as a young man, it was wrong decisions, being caught up in wrong things. Um, but in the long run, you make up your mind and you decide to you know what if I'm going to be a man. Mm -hmm. Uh, who looks after my family, I think the right decision is A, B, C, D, so, yeah. yeah. They always say it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. Now, without the village, without mm -hmm. the role models, how does the child then define their identity? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 And uh, and I think that's, that's one of the things that we struggle with here in, in Western Scottish mm -hmm. communities, mm -hmm. because then we don't have those communities, those villages, if you yeah, like, yeah. Where, where our sons, our daughters learn those things. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's quite challenging for them to, to adapt and learn and, and, and get a bit of our cultures mm -hmm. from back home. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to both what you're saying as well. Um, I'm the youngest of five. I have three big sisters and a big brother. So when I was growing up, there's quite a big age gap between anyone else. But when I was growing up, my brother and my dad were always at work. It was always me and my sister and my mum in the house. So it, the way I was brought up as well was, it's a um, men go to work, like, like I was saying, men go to work. My mum would be at home looking after everybody else. My sisters are grown up, so they're at school, so you know, they need to look after it as well at the time. Myself as well, and because of a big age gap between my dad, my dad's about 45 when I was born. So there was, I'd say, when I used to look at my friends, how they were with their father, yeah. I know it's a big difference, I wasn't like that. Um, I felt in a way I was missing out, so I used to go out with my friends at school, meet other people, that's where I used to hang a bit with, that's where I kind of fitted in, you know, like, like, like you're saying, fitted in. Um, a lot of trial and error. While I was going, going older, from high school, then I went to university, meet different people. I think while I got older as well, I found it easier to, to speak to my father as well, about certain things as well, because I was obviously getting older. Um, I think it kind of shaped me all the experiences. 
and also coming from an ethnic background as well, there's also the cult cultural aspect. But myself was when I was growing up, it was cultural, but I, my family wasn't very cultural, but there was some remnants in there. <coughs> but I always felt much more Scottish. Yeah. So most of my friends grew up all Scottish as well, you know, and... Uh, it was interesting what he was saying. I think the other thing I would have uh, picked up with with that aspect of the the father being away so much yeah. or being at work and that was his kind of job yeah. go to work provide for the family there was another uh, element that was missing and that was a relationship the father had with the kids and even with the rest of the family yeah. I mean I never seen any affection between my mum and dad yeah. 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 you know the way I would take my wife out and we'll go somewhere Right, if we've both been working really hard, we'll treat ourselves together. Yeah. Or maybe with the family or whatever it may be. I never ever seen that with my dad and mum. And that they're very traditional. You know how it is in our culture, they're very, very traditional that way. They don't. They got married, they had children, you know, and they had their role and he had his role and the rest it was not oh, it's nonsense. You don't you don't what's the point of romance or whatever you know it's very much like that so certainly i've got a lot of love and affection for my mum you know she was the one that i probably received most love from my dad never really gave me hugs and kissed me in the cheek or you know and again that's a masculine type kind of characteristic you would think you know you'd hear about um but no i'm not like that you know i've got two daughters and you know i dote on them and you know and it's just natural, I don't try to think it, it's just natural I have that love and affection. I never even seen my dad's friends react like that with their kids and stuff, it was very common. And if we probably did see it, we would think, uh, yeah. something, something wrong with <laughs> that. Um, did you see what he was doing? Yeah. Auntie, it was like, you know, that, you know. So yeah. it was very alien, that aspect yes. of it. And we would probably look at it as strange, whereas now, no way, you know, it's... I think for me, again, it's, it's that thing where, again, the dad wasn't there. But what one thing that I really remember is uh, when it came to going back to school, however long your list was, you provided. Mm. So all he needed from you is your requirements. So you make your list, give it to him, and you'll give you the money. That's it. <laughs> that uh, cuddling and oh, how is school and uh, how are you getting on with friends and all that, it wasn't there. Yeah. That, that is something for you yeah. to find out. Um, and, and so, <clears throat> again, uh, because they were separated, so I get my pocket money and all my shopping from him and then go back to my mom. Um, and then uh, you fend for yourself. Um, so, um, if if you if you're playing football and you're hurt, d don't think anyone is going to cuddle you and say, oh, um, you know, <laughs> maybe try better or don't do that next day. No, no, no. You 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 sort it out yourself. Yeah. In fact, it's worse if you hurt yourself and went back home crying. Yeah. Because you have it at home. What is all you know to do? <laughs> so, uh, best thing for you to do is if you. Um, caught up in mistakes and, and things like that suck it up and yeah, you know yeah that was part 
mm. of being a boy, yeah. being a man. Yeah. Um, to suck it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, to, to covet your emotions. Exactly, yes. Because yeah. expressing it would mean... You're weak. You're not man enough. Yes. You're not, one yeah. of the things I find fascinating about Lewis is that we're obviously coming from different cultural viewpoints. I could fall into that position yeah. of being sort of defi- default white English and saying, I don't have a culture that defines me, yeah. but I very obviously do have a culture that yeah. defines me. It just, it's not recognised yeah. a lot of the time. So when you were talking about your parents not being very demonstrative or yeah. affectionate, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, same here. Nothing yeah. that's a product of the time. Yeah, it's a type. Yeah. Um, so yeah, such things happened on the uh, south coast of England. Yeah. Well. <laughs> as well as, uh, up here in, in Scotland, a country of which I knew nothing at that, that point. Um, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a, there's a huge areas of, yeah. of, of commonality. Mm. Um, my, uh, so I, I grew up with a, a stable family, um, which was, was, was great. Um, and um, although in some respects, um, there wasn't a lot of the the, the traditional male, male role models, by which I mean a father that worked in, say, heavy industry, mm. that took you to football, that taught you fishing, mm. all of these kind of things that you're expected to sort of acquire mm. by right as a, you know, as, as a kind of a kid growing up where mm. I, I did. Um, and so these are, so some of the things like that I've, I've, I've had to learn later in life. But it was also just picking up on a point which I think all of you have really made as well. I, I actually literally grew up in a village. Mm. Um, and it was a village on top of a hill. And that's important because if you wanted to go anywhere by bike, you had to come back up the hill, oh which God. was actually a really good way of confining you to that village. Um, and it's not a case that everybody actually knew everybody, but there was a lot of policing going, going on around yeah. there as well. So it was a case of the, of, of the, of the village bringing up everybody. And mm. you're given, it was a safe space. You mm. know, it was a, um, you know, it wasn't a, it was a, the, the village has a <coughs> mix of people in there from very well off to you know, those uh, on state benefits uh, mm. and in social housing. Um, so there was a good blend. You were, good, you were exposed to people um, who did have those, those different kinds of things. So in some respects, uh, I guess we brought each other up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did that shape you living in a village and, and knowing that being on top of a hill isolates you in a way? Because I think each of us in, in some way has been isolated mm-hmm. while growing up yeah. physically or emotionally, or yeah. psychologically, or how did that shape you as um, a man? It's, so uh, the perception from other people is that, uh, that I've, I've received at various points, is that uh, I'm a bit soft, not streetwise, a little unworldly. <laughs> maybe true, maybe not. Um, I still think of that village as my home, even though I haven't lived there for 30 years or something like that. Um, how did it shape me as a, as a man? I mean, in some respects, I don't know. It, it was a, it, so, I mean, I'm, I'm making it sound as though this was, this was a village that was just separated from, you know, <laughs> like a, on the, in the middle of the moors or something like that. I mean, it was only three miles to the, to the nearest town. And once I went <coughs> to secondary school at the age of 11, um, I needed to go to school in the town, that kind of thing. So this was, you, you, you develop, mm. I guess. So there's, there's a version of yourself at, say, seven years old that has an idea of what it's like to be a man. And then, as I think you were saying, it, it develops as well, yeah. the, the older you get as well. So that village um, upbringing was 
I guess in some respects replaced in part by a sort of town upbringing later on. I don't know if that answered the question at all, mm. or I just jumped around it and it It is that way, it's like um, city folk, especially like when, when you go back to Pakistan, and I've visited Pakistan a couple of times, there is that defining thing about folk from a village and folk from a city, and people from a village don't really adapt to city life. No. And they look at them differently. Oh, they're city folk. They're just too <laughs> vain, you know. And yes, yes. um, you know, and they're just brash and loud, and you know, they're so not polite people. Nothing or like Glasgow and Edinburgh, then. Right? No. <laughs> and then you you've got the city folk that look at the village people and they think, oh, look, they're just backward, you know, farm type people that are just, you know, not got any sense of modernisation and how the world is going forward, you know. Uh, old-fashioned values and old, you know so there is that distinction very much less so in in the West but still th I believe there is that kind of perception where people recognize people living in a city and being city folk and I've had that like uh, part of what I do sometimes is we DJ uh, and so we DJ at different functions so we travel around Scotland and even further afield and even we perceive it, when you go to small towns outside Glasgow, <laughs> we think, man, these guys are like, <laughs> they're not like, a, I, 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 exactly. And at first I thought it was just my own perception. Maybe I'm just, you know, looking at it that way. I'm being biased or whatever. But no, I've heard other people have come from, you know, from Glasgow, whatever, and they've been there and they've said, you see the folk up there, they're different. Aye, they are different, aye. How? I don't know, it's just, you know, they're... Webbed feet and everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's and, and you get that same kind of vibe off them as well, though. They look at you think, who do they think are city folk? You know? It's, uh, so do you think labels play a major role in uh, defining masculinity? Where you grew up, what culture you come from, what accent you have or don't have, you know, things like that. I think what you're saying as well, being class, we, we just see it as, we don't hold back, we swear a lot, we, we don't take ourselves seriously. So when I went to university, I moved down in London, so when I was talking to people, dealing with people, some of them people found me a bit too much because mm -hmm. I was saying what it is, but that's just the way it was. And then was like, kind of like, yeah. resolved a bit. So it did take me a bit to time to adjust, but but I know it's in that interaction. I left with quite a good. People said that, but after a bit of time, they noticed that they'll be more relaxed about things as well. They can open up. So I thought Scottish were very yeah. racist. We swear a lot as well. I've been told not to swear today. Yeah. <laughs> I've been controlling myself. <laughs> yeah, the labels sometimes affect um, people, um, and it really depends on how far you take that label yeah. um, and what choice you choose to do with the level that you've been given. Okay. Are there any messages from society or growing up that you were told or learned and don't maybe even know where you learned it? Like, boys don't cry, you know? Boys don't show emotion. Um, the kids in the city, you know, are more worldly. You know, what are those messages? Or you're, or you're too naive, or you're too soft, or whatever those labels are. That defines your identity to an extent. So what are some of those messages? Let's kind of bring those out a bit. I mean, again, going back to 
my childhood. Um, even when we were playing, say for example, you're playing games of playing football and uh, someone tripped you and you fell down, you dare not cry. Now, sometimes it's, uh, it's something that you shout about and tell you and probably even sometimes remind you, don't you <laughs> think about it. Or it's just a look mm. that your friends, your colleagues, your parents will just give you mm. and you, all right, okay, this is the time when I have to. Yeah. So mm. sometimes um, um, it was something said to you. Sometimes it was just an expression given to you um, that reminded you that this is not the place to to cry this is not the place to <coughs> this is not the place to bring up anything and you you just knew that so um so it sounds like it's it's two parts it's this is not the place and you need to know your place yeah yes yes what your role is exactly how you're defined yes and so as an individual you compute that quickly and you make the decision whether to carry on and, and cry Oh, <laughs> you know what? Ah, I'll just take it. Yeah. Um, but then, that then, um, you grow with that. Mm -hmm. And I think as you grow older, those are some of the things that you have to reflect on and get to a point where you make a decision. Do I really need to carry on with this? Or do I want something different for myself? Yeah. But for my children as well. Um, because for me, having gone through some of those experiences, I got to a place where I made a decision and said, you know what, if I ever get a wife and get married, that's it. And I want to look after my kids, I want to be there for my kids again. Um, I want to try and, 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 and do life with my kids purely because of yeah. the experience that I went so through. So conscious choice exactly. has to be made yes. to create change in yes. your life great change in the label that's right or the conditioning exactly. or the blueprinting exactly for example uh, we, we go back to Africa and go and visit and and obviously the lifestyle talking about city life and village yeah. life now it's a different ballgame when you're coming from uh, UK <laughs> <laughs> and you go back um, um, and, and, and because our kids were born in the UK they don't have a clue what is there and so the first time we went, it was a shock for them. Um, the way people speak, sometimes you're talking about Glaswegian being up front. In Africa, in Uganda, they say it as it is. Um, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. If, uh, if, if you, you put on weight and you're fat, they, they will say it like that. Yeah. <laughs> but yet, uh, on the other hand, back home, if you're fat, it means you've got the money. Mm. It's a different thing. For connotation. Yes. Yeah. So whereas here, if you've lost the weight and you've got, um, you, you're slim, you, you know, then you're doing well. Yes. Um, so <laughs> we go with the kids and, and we take them to the grandparents and the aunties and the uncles and they look at them and they, oh, look at this fat boy. And for the kids, they're like, <laughs> why are you saying that to me? Um, and then you've got to remind them, no, 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 it's a different culture. Yeah. Um, They're actually complimenting exactly, you. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So you take them through that as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, 
I never really explored it, I don't think. My dad was absent for quite a, a number of years. He went away to do business abroad sort of thing. And I think that was in the time around like age of 10 up to my early teens, mid-teens. And that was a moment, I think, that you experience these things and you make those changes for when you're older or you, your youth. So um, I never really got told by anyone like a father figure, a male that, you know, this is, this circumstances, this is how you should feel or get up or do this or whatever. It was always my mum. Mum was always soft and gentle. My mum was always caring. You know, she, if, if she's seen stress, she, she would respond to that. But saying that, it didn't make me soft in terms of, yes, I, I mean, I wouldn't say I was a harsh person. I wasn't harsh to anyone. Um, and I was always kind of conscious of people and people's feelings. And that was just my makeup. It wasn't anyone who instilled it kind of thing in me. I don't know, subconsciously through experience of life and seeing people and seeing people's experience, seeing people um, going through different, different circumstances, maybe that's what made me perceive that kind of, uh, that have that perception. But no one really kind of gave me, these are the labels and these are how you have to be or whatever. But now being older, two daughters, the younger one who's 12, she falls she'll start crying, the mum goes running over, oh, are you okay, okay? And I, I dislike that, simply because it's not that she got hurt by a car, that's a different thing, you'd go running or something really bad happened, but she was playing with her kids, what they do, they fall, they hurt themselves. I feel that there has to be a wee bit of resilience for them, even if it's a girl, not just boys, but even as a girl, don't worry, you were playing, these things happen, you hurt yourself, don't get back up, you know, just go go back out there, enjoy. no, I don't want to go now, no, no, go back out, enjoy it, you're in, actually enjoying yourself before that, were you not, so I'll explain what her, you know, what she went through, and not to have a, a negative, you know, thingy towards it, just be positive about it, whereas my wife, I, I notice it so much, she, her, her nose starts running, oh, we need to go to the doctor, she's not well, oh, you know, and I'll go, it's just probably a cold, just give her some calpo or give her some, you know, paracetamol or whatever, she'll be fine, you know, until I know it's severe. I mean, as a parent, you'd know, look, this is like a wee bit severe, you know. There's times when she has severe high temperatures and you think, this isn't normal. I need to go down to doctors and get this looked at. But, um, you know, even my, the this doctor surgery, he jokes as well. He's like, you know, Thank God there's at least one sensible person in this, uh, <laughs> you know, because like he goes, you, all it is is a flu or a cold and, you know, I can make that distinction, but I think, I don't know whether she is a bit too soft that way, you know, if it's just a, a thing that mothers feel they're a wee bit more kind of exposed to having these feelings. Um, but uh, yeah, I say get up and get on with it sort of thing, you know. Um, I think it's the same thing with me. When my boys are playing and they get hurt and all that, it's always my wife that will get wound up and yeah. you know, you know, yeah. oh, you should stop. And I'm like, yeah. give them a break, they're yeah. boys. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, again, when it comes to 
illnesses. One thing that I've started to learn is uh, she's got that sense. I think it's a female thing. Yeah. Um, when it's serious. Yeah. And for me, I'm yeah. still thinking, oh, they'll, <laughs> they'll, they'll get on. And then they go to the hospital and then the GP, they're like, oh, they have a cold, they've got a virus. And I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> so, so I'm learning, I'm learning to, to yeah. adjust. Yeah. So, uh, just that. so is that a, a theme that maybe you unconsciously both might have picked up um, about women? I don't go based on what other people's perceptions are. I, I purely go on, you know, I use this yeah. and I think, yeah. okay, you know, and, and uh, uh, as fair as possible, be, don't be, you know, non-biased decisions, just how is it, you know? how. Uh, and that's my perception. And I think, well, why am I not like that? Mm. What you know? Why does she re react like that? Does she love my kid more than I do, mm. or wh what's the thingy? You know, I, I explore these kind of ideas because I put myself in the other people's shoes, and and figure out. Okay, I don't think like that, but let's think. What's making I think like that? And I'll go on that other side sort of thing. So view a, a, an angle from their their perspective sort of thing. So. Um, yeah, it's my own perception. I make these decisions just on my own perceptions. It's a kind of a theme of um, resilience. Um, so the boys don't cry kind of thing. Yeah. I think it has resilience in it as well. Yeah. And I say that from, you know, children can be desperately cruel to each other. Yeah. So don't cry because the other one's going to, some other child will come along and pick that scab and make you cry some more. Yeah. So actually it's a protective yeah. aspect of yourself. Um, at that point as well, and I think your your point as well about the you know if you've fallen off the horse, just damn well get back on yeah, it yeah, again yeah. because you know it, it, you are you are going to have fun. Yeah. I, I guess and apologies for jumping in and asking a question. I grew up in a culture where people weren't defining me because of where I was born, how yeah. I was born, that kind of thing. Yeah. Is that something that? Is that another label that was imposed upon you that you had to deal with uh, in terms of resilience? Uh, I'll tell you, I probably got judged more about this and labelled more about this when I went back to Pakistan. Okay, interesting. Although, ethnically I look Pakistani and I would expect that reaction from someone from the West to look at me and think, yeah. oh well they are different because they're from a different country. I've got that more from going back home yeah or oh, this is guy from west because i was detached this wasn't my culture this is my culture yeah. i see myself as scottish mm. uh, yeah pakistani origin yeah. you know and i have those roots and you know i respect those values because it comes from my parents and i respect my parents i had to deal with it more and address it more when i went back to pakistan yeah. whereas here it, it was yeah. effortless yeah, yeah. it was very much effortless yeah. but i think perhaps because i adopted um, you know, Scottish way and lifestyle because I've been brought up here, I was schooled here, you know, that was my day-to-day -day kind of dealing. Um, but yeah, certainly it was when I was when I was back home, I had to deal with them. I was very comfortable here, very comfortable. Funny, I always get a sort of a version of that. And when I go home now, I'm treated as Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a bit confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember one person had mentioned, one of my clients had mentioned, uh, it wasn't safe for him to ask his friend to go to coffee. 
just to talk about something that was really important yeah. to him. Safe was the word that he used. I, th I think that still probably remains uh, an issue um, if you want to have a one-to-one -to -one to with someone you feel that they're in a place maybe you need to talk to them about it. One, you don't feel comfortable maybe even bringing that subject, no, subject uh, up. Yeah. Uh, although you could see, look, this guy maybe needs, you know, a, a wee bit of support, a, a chat, you know, but how do I go about doing it? Like I might say, let's go for a pizza, but literally from the intent of actually sitting down and talking to him, I probably would just end up being uh, time out having a pizza, going away and not resolving anything. He goes away with his issue and you've gone away going, I should have said something, but how the hell was I going to say it, you know? Uh, and it is, I think it is a struggle sometimes for guys to turn it. And you see women do it. My wife does it. She sits there and she's sitting with a friend and she's on the phone and they're talking and they're talking and they're talking. I'll go away and do something, have a shower, make something, come back. She's still talking. I'm like, wow, man, that much you can talk, you know, is it? And it's the same issue, but it's like, they know how to really get in with, you know, the problems are really kind of share those issues. I haven't all right. You know, you go to your friend, all right. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, all right, okay, cool. <laughs> and that was it. You know, that's it. I spoke to him, but it's not. But you know, it is. It's very, very difficult. I mean, there are times now. I think as we got older, um, some friends that have have been in relationships, and they'll come to me because obviously I'm in a relationship, married and stuff like that. So they'll think. Yeah, I talk to someone who's already, you know, maybe have an idea they can give me advice. And I felt more confident to sit down with them and go, right, what's going on? But that's me now older, in my, in my youth, I would never deal with that. You know, it was, I think it was just, it's very difficult to, that, that perception, I think it is a label thing, you know, at that age especially, to kind of overcome that. You just bottle it in and you just, and I think even the other side, the receiver, kind of just, oh, I want to, but it's not, I feel very uncomfortable, Sports. uneasy. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, um, but as we got older, certainly I found that um, it's easier to approach my friends. Um, and I think it's a generational, th generational thing, but you know, when you get to this age, they've, they've went through so much in their life. And I think they've now, come at ends where they feel like I need to talk to someone about this. I think it's perhaps, you know, they're hitting a wall and then they're deciding that, you know, you know maybe they have tried to you know, deal with it in their own ways. They try to find solutions their own, but it's never ever worked. So then the last resort, okay, how do we think it? Once they do open up, it's brilliant. They just completely let out and they'll tell you all their personal things while they're sharing their personal things, then you feel that you want to talk about your personal things. You, you didn't intend to go in that conversation to talk about your personal, but because they're sharing so much, you think, you know, I want them to relate with me. Listen, I know what you're talking about because this, this, this happened to me and, you know, my wife, she said this and I wasn't happy with it and I will be careful because she might be watching they'll get it when I get home. But anyway, you know, uh, no, she's cool, but uh, she is. yeah, so, you know, it's, um, they then see, oh, that, that is a normal thing, you know, to deal with, and then you'll question, but how did you deal with, but how did you feel about it, but 
things that you know would never ever be able I would never ever be able to directly ask him and he can never ever directly answer answer to me it's through him sharing his feelings and me sharing my kind of experience and feelings as well um, it's Totally. Well, he's opening up. He's opening, you know, his personal space, and I feel, wow, you know, shock factor. Yeah, you know, and um, then you feel comfortable to do the same. And of course, in some um, cultures, that's what alcohol does. <laughs> that, that's it's, the other thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's just the, yeah. It gets rid of the inhibitions. Yes. Which is what I think we're talking about here. Yes. I think it's the artist Cindy Sherman back in the 1970s did a sort of a slogan piece of artwork which said we, we give each other excuses mm. um, which was ba and it depicted just a bunch of yeah. drunk men rolling around on the floor <laughs> acting like children um, and I think alcohol we give each other excuses or permissions and yeah. that's that's the fast way to it but yeah. it's actually I think what you're describing there is, mm. is actually just trying to find that process of giving each other an excuse yeah. each other permission yeah. to actually talk to each other and it can be damn difficult yeah it's interesting you say that, Stephen, because um, the message that I'm hearing is in order for me to share my emotions, I have to be inhibited mm. by something, by alcohol, by them, you know. Yes, you have to be, yes, deinhibited <coughs> or something like yeah. that. Yeah, you have to get rid of those inhibitions. Yeah, which is a barrier. Is no, whatever, yeah, whatever the, the barrier is. But there's, yes, certainly there's, there's barriers there, isn't there? Which uh, in other contexts, uh, so, you know, women talking to women, for example, mm. as, as you, you described, it doesn't seem to, uh, doesn't seem to happen, whereas between men, it obviously does. Until mm. I think there's a certain level of, of trust there. Yeah. Mm. Is that true for each of you? I think it's, it's, it's slightly different for me because you touched on relationships and uh, I didn't grow up here. Mm. Um, I grew up in Africa mm. where I had the relationships, mm -hmm. um, where I had built the trust mm -hmm. with my friends, a community and all that. And so 11, 12 years ago, I met the ship, come to the UK. Now, when you come to the UK, it's a totally different environment. Mm -hmm. So you're starting afresh. Mm -hmm. So relationships take a while to build. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and while I want to be open and make friends and be real to, to one another, it's not as easy as it sounds. Mm -hmm. It takes time. Um, and I think it's taken me a, a bit of a while. To this point, I'm still struggling mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to find that person mm -hmm. that I can really open up to mm -hmm. and say, brother, you know what? <clears throat> I'm, I'm desperate. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I, I don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. How do I get around this thing? Mm -hmm. um, because it's not easy to find. Yeah. And so with that, you find that sometimes the friends, the people that you have around you, they are shallow relationships. And therefore, um, when it comes to some sensitive or deep issues, I'm going to be a man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so going to be, you know, I'm going to hold it. So, um, so does going to be a man mean putting on a mask? Sometimes um, you'll find that you're, you're just pulling through. Mm -hmm. You're just pushing through. Mm -hmm. um, but realistically, no. 
and then you get to a point where my wife again, mm. uh, she would get those calls and she would chat yeah. away with people, and you're just like, oh wow, how does how does she do this? Um, and so open up to her friends and and all that, and you're just like, my goodness, how oh, where am I going to find that person that I can do the same? Um, because having a relationship, a deep relationship, takes time. It's, it's the trust, it's, yeah. it's being used to each other, it's, yeah. it's knowing yeah, each, other. Used to each other. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all those things yeah. that come into play. So um, you, you are in the workplace and you've yeah. got friends around and how are you? Yeah, I'm fine, thank you. Mask. Yeah. Um, everything okay? Yeah. yeah. How was, uh, we, we just out of the festive season, Christmas and New Year, how was it? Oh, brilliant. <laughs> everything okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but deep down, there are issues. Yeah. Um, and so finding sometimes someone and even a space mm. to open up things like that is, is, is difficult. Um, and for me, I think, again, when it comes to the genuine men's chat, those are some of the things that attracted me to it. Yeah. I was hoping and I'm hoping that this will be the place where we can actually open up. Yeah, open up. Um, and hopefully, the people out there, when they hear and see and watch this, they can be encouraged to to get into that space or get in touch or yeah. you know, get involved in some of the discussions that we're, we're having. Yeah. Absolutely, make this their community yeah, yeah, yeah. to open up. Yeah. Absolutely. But it's very, it's very difficult if you just moved from different parts of the world and it means you're starting up afresh. Yeah. Um, if, you know, if, when you make that shift, even going back home, yeah. It's a totally, even with the friends that you left, yeah. the moment you go back, it's yeah. a different picture. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they see as a totally different person. Yeah. Um, you're not that... Same person. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they will open up, they'll have a chat and all that, but yeah. that trust kind of thing is... Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I've got two sons and a daughter um, and my daughter was my first child so I actually think I found it easier having a daughter I don't know why um, I felt like there was less pressure I mean I was, it was daunting enough becoming a father um, but I don't know why but I I felt like as soon as I f as soon as my son was born and and he was a he obviously uh I was suddenly terrified that I was this role model for him and that he was going to look towards me as this example of what a man should be and oh man and so then at that point I remember being like yeah this is quite a daunting prospect because it was only at that point I think I really considered what or who I was in that respect and the things I did and the way I behaved and all that sort of stuff was actually going to have like a significant impact on someone's life um, and how they were going to then develop themselves into, into a person, into a fellow man. Um, so yeah, I think the concept of, of masculinity is quite an interesting one <clears throat> um, and it's something that I've battled with I think throughout my life because, and it's kind of what I said in my video intro, but um, 
you know, through school, I always felt like there was things that I was asked to do, like we talked about, like in PE and all that sort of stuff, where, to be honest, I was never particularly comfortable doing. I didn't want to do the things that I was being asked to do. Um, but I was definitely made to feel like I wasn't a man for not wanting to do them. And I always remember a time uh, when I was like 16, 17, and we went to this like outward bounds thing. And it was all like, you know, obstacle courses and all that sort of rubbish, right? And there was this one bit where you had to like, it was like, um, it was like an assault course. And you had to like go underneath a wooden bar thing, post thing, into like muddy, un stay ahead under muddy water and come up the other side. And I remember being like, I'm not doing that. And the, and the, the girl who was running the course properly ridiculed me and like made me feel like this big for refusing to do it. But that, if anything, made me more determined not to do it. I was like, well, I'm, well, I'm absolutely not doing it now. Mm. Like, if you were encouraging, I might have done that. Mm. But to try and belittle me in front of my peers mm. for not doing it, nah. Like, I'm like, I'm absolutely not doing that now. And I always remember that was like a moment in my life where I was like, I'm just not going to do things that I don't want to do for the sake of what? Like, this is such a pointless, fruitless exercise. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Why is that bloody point in that? You, you just reminded me. I once went to an event um, where there was a, an international uh, sportsman there, and I didn't recognize him, and he greeted me and said, how's things? And I said, not bad. Um, and at that point, he went off into some bad cod psychology about negative attitudes and all that kind of thing, which I just thought, okay, fine. Um, but in the middle of his talk, uh, he was riffing on this negative energy and all that kind of thing. Uh, and he said, it's important for you to, or not for you not to have, you know, negative thoughts like that man over there singling me out in the group, which is exactly like the thing that you were, uh, that, that your um, assault course person did as well. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I just mentally washed my hands of him. For me, this is back to power again, masculinity that we have put in front of us is so intertwined with who holds power that it's very difficult to untangle it with any success and, and for me that's why we get people ridiculed for not wanting to do things that show physical strength or determination. We get people playing a game in a group that says I'm better than this guy and this is how I'm showing you, aren't I great and big and strong and powerful. And if you look at, um, obviously I'm not the expert in the room at advertising, but if you look at glossy magazines, the advertising throughout glossy magazines that picture men, they're able-bodied, they're rich, they've got beautiful women hanging off them, they've got beautiful clothes, they're usually built uh, very physically uh, to that macho ideal. And it's just constant that that's what you have to aspire to. So to ever step away from that, which most people have to, it's not normal life, but to ever say, that's not what I want, I want this other thing that's about sharing and caring and enjoying life and not chasing stuff I'm never gonna get. Um, 
you it's not allowed it doesn't fit the predominant mold so society that's why you get ridiculed as much as we don't like to admit it humans are have a pack mentality we like to fit in we like to be accepted it's unpleasant to not be accepted it causes friction it causes pressure it's an easier life to not step out of line um, and that results in things that we've talked about in the group you know do we call people out do we challenge people's behavior when we're in the pub with a group of guys do we challenge somebody that we don't know if they're exhibiting behavior that's unacceptable um, do we step up and if we're stepping up to challenge something that's low-key matey behavior you are definitely putting your head above the parapet um, and it's uncomfortable so even though, for me, right, the, the vast majority of men in the world have no power. They really don't. They might be bigger and stronger than a female partner or bigger and stronger than their kids. But other than that, they're a pawn like everybody else is a pawn. But we're not brought up to believe that. You know, you're brought up to say, I can cope and I can do it and I can handle it and I'm going to be better than the rest. And, and it might not be by your parents, but by the entertainment that we value and that money is spent on in advertising and everything that says here are messages about what men want and what men do if they're successful and this is what you should copy it's all that macho nonsense so the promotion of this this concept of an alpha male hmm. is pretty much the the way men are perceived in society as well from from my perspective that's what i see going on and and it's and i may be like reinforcing my own beliefs in it by picking out what i want to see but you know i've got a little boy as well he's eight already the behaviors he's displaying that come from school and they're not from home because we don't you know we don't let anything rest that is oppressive to his little sister um he's starting to display and work out how he's top dog in the family you know being competitive proving his strength proving his fastest and biggest and cleverest and it's a lot of pressure because it's much easier for him to to not have to do that all the time it's very sad and that's why i got involved with this i suppose i you know in our little corner of the world if we are saying come on guys, you can be who you want to be and the rest of us will back you up with it. Then it's a positive message and, and it's one to be applauded and to be part of. No matter what part of the world you're in, there's that kind of hierarchy. It's seen as the male dominant figure and a lot of people follow that narrative automatically. They have to fall into that. Um, and all cultures recognise that, and it's a very common belief. Um, and so people tend to use that as an example of where how men should be perceived and how they 
should grow up to be like and the position of where women should be within that society as well. It's it's sad because it does cause a lot of problems for when you're a kid and you're growing up and you don't fit those roles and you're you go you're you know you're dealing with a lot of uh, torment from other people and negativity because you're not accepting what you know other people feel that you know you should be like and that thing about you know in the changing rooms like you know people getting changed and they all have to be you know like butt naked and that that to me is disgusting I mean I think that whole practice is like I don't want somebody's bare backside in my face you know it's just like it's not about manhood or anything it's just it's disgusting just keep it away you know I just like my private space what's wrong with that you know and you can't you can't say that because if you say that then you're perceived as less manly but it's nothing to do with you know me being ashamed it's just I like my privacy I don't like exposing myself it's just my own personal thing I don't want to see other people walking past me you know with their manhood you just keep it to yourself it's thank you very much you know but you know it doesn't kind of uh, appeal to me I'd rather not it's not even it's not even just exclusive to like school days I recently I was over playing badminton in um, where were we it was over in I can't remember one of the one of the places it was like a it was a Glasgow club place and then we were going out to get a curry afterwards right so it was badminton our three of us and then quick shower and then offer curry and a couple of pints with with the lads happy days right sounded great mm. get to the changing rooms mm. now maybe i'm a li feeling like i'm a, possibly being a little bit middle class which is what i said to the guys at the time i was like this is no nuffield uh facilities here mm. i was like what's with the communal shower yeah and then they're like oh that's just like normal i was yeah. like where yeah. Like, wh wh what? Yeah. Like, what? I, d I mean, as much as I like you guys, yeah. like, I don't need to be seeing that. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I think that's also, it's cultural, because I went to live in Germany for a year, and nobody would bat an eyelid of that. I know. I know. I, do you know what? It's funny you should say that. I was going to say the same thing about Spain and, like, topless beaches and all that sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, like, and, like, Greece. I was yeah. in Greece, and, like, I didn't know where to look. Yeah. You know? And I'm sort of sat there, like, and there's all these ladies parading about the place, bits everywhere, and I'm like, oh my days, I don't know what I'm. I just, I just keep my eye on. I just, just, just look forward, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's not exclusive to just like guys. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you're right. It's like totally a cultural yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But then you're right. I think the thing is that then you're made to feel like I don't know. Less of a man. Less of a man because you, if they want to go off and have a shower, whatever, man, yeah. like that's up to them. Yeah. But then I'm like, do I really want to be stripping that? I don't know if I want to do that. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, it's, it's probably more about that than yeah. it is about, like, I'd be more comfortable just to be like, I'll just shower when I get home. Yeah. To be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't want to take my clothes off in your presence. That's, that's my issue. Yeah. It's not even about them. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, it's not about hiding anything. It's just you don't feel comfortable with that, and you know, and you just don't want to be part of that. Why should you have to accept it? I don't get that. So you know? why should you have to accept the 
Because that's that's a predominant expectation. When you go to these places, you're you're the minority, very much the minority, and they're the majority. You're the one is seen seem as, oh, he's an odd fella, you know. What's wrong with him? You know, we're all doing it, you know, and uh, maybe he's ashamed of something, you know. And it becomes more, and it, and the story just. Uh, you know, it becomes more that there's something wrong with this guy. Or maybe he's ashamed of, you know, whatever. Or he's not a real man or whatever, you know, it's, uh, yeah. This this is one of the subjects I find really fascinating because we've all said at some point in the conversations, I got to the point where I just wasn't bothered anymore about other people's opinions. But not being a real man... Yeah. It's really difficult to ever completely get away from. Um, whether it's I have to be a provider, whether it's I have to, you know, I have to be able to control my kids in a certain way when we're out. Yeah. Otherwise, what kind of father am I? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I have to look in a particular way if I'm, if I'm in a particular situation or I have to like certain things. And, that, and yes, as you get older, it's easier to, to not always actually follow it. That doesn't mean in the back of your mind there isn't a little voice saying, ah, this isn't quite right, you're not quite fitting in. Um, so yeah, it just never seems to go away. I don't seem to be able to grow out of that somehow. That there's that niggling thing that, am I doing a man right, you know, or being a man in the right way? Well, I don't believe there is one. That's a really daft thing. Yeah. There is no, for me, there is no masculinity. There's commonalities within it, but everybody's unique. Mm-hmm. Um, and they really are. So there has to be a myriad of ways of doing it that are correct. But it's the bombardment, it's the indoctrination and the conditioning that makes it hard to remember that we're all okay just being who we are. And that's, that's the premise, actually, of of why I built the the whole Genuine Me project or the program itself for all different types of groups, especially for men. So that, yes, we're all bombarded as women, as men, as children. Oh, absolutely. um, Every part of society, but do we then make a choice? Do we say stop? I see the messaging, I see the the programming, I see the, the control. And the musts and the shoulds and the have-tos. Yeah. Thus the mass comes up. Silence happens. You know, it's, it's the shadow of the self that becomes the self in society and not your true self. So the whole point of the being genuine, being yourself, is inhibited because of the societal expectations and norms and what a real man should or must or have to be. Now it's our turn. I think maybe to understand this and understand the value of men, understand the value of women, and then we've got kids, we can do something about that. We can instill good values in our kids, whether they're daughters or sons, instill them and get them to think a different way, Don't not to continue that repetitiveness that's been going on for so long before. And I think that's the part I would see that I could perhaps 
make, you know, to make those changes within society. Start with myself, start with my own family first. So what are some messages that you would give your daughters, for example? Be independent thinking. Um, you know, um, if, if she doesn't want to wear pink, you know, don't do it. If she wants to get into football and like the guys, go and do it. You know, all the kind of stereotypical things that they expect girls to do. No, don't don't do it. If they want to do it, then fine. But if they don't want to do it, don't let anyone else, you know, define you that, oh, you can't do that because you're a girl and you shouldn't be doing that, you know. So, yeah, to think a little bit for yourself, um, perhaps, I would say. So it's interesting that you say that because girls, when they play sports that are more male-dominated or... Um, they they wear more darker colors or pull up their hair and don't look like the typical girl are called tomboys. Which is exactly what my oldest daughter is. She was like a tomboy. She used to wear trainers and trackies and stuff like that and the other girls would have makeup on and have like nice dresses and outfits and she always found that strange. And we were comfortable the way, she, the way she felt comfortable and we were quite happy with that. Um, the younger one, she goes through phases. So sometimes, you know, she won't want to be, uh, if she's like going out with her friends or whatever and they're having a wee party, she'll dress up, make a bit of effort. Otherwise, she's the same. She's got her trainers on, she's got her hoodie on and she's, you know, like, yeah, go for it, you know. And this thing where, um, you know, girls have to dress nice and look feminine and all the rest of it. Nah. You know, let them kind of be who they are. Yeah, my, my oldest daughter, she was very much tomboy and she was comfortable with it, you know, and we were comfortable with it as well. We were like, yeah, no problem, go ahead. So it's letting them be who they are. And for, for my grown-up daughter who've had these conversations with, I've always said that, you know, if if people are taking liberties or not treating you with respect, then you say, I'm not going to take this, and you walk away. And not to be afraid of doing that, because there are there are men out there who will, who will love you properly and respect you and let you be yourself um, and not expect you to be their plaything or their property, which is has happened in the past and still happens now with some male personalities. So assertiveness, I think, is key for this, for women and for men as well, to get it right, to be able to say, this is what I want in my life, this is what I need to do that. Can we work together to make that happen? Um, as opposed to, I want this and you're going to give me it. Mm. So I guess it first comes with knowing what you want. Yeah. And then recognizing that there's a conversation to be had yeah. to share those expectations so that both parties can get what they want yeah. instead of imposing it. Well, some of what they want, because you can't always get what you want, no. as has been sung about. <laughs> what I think is interesting about that subject is so I have quite a few of these types of conversations with my wife when I talk about characteristic, male characteristics and female characteristics, right? 
I think that's quite an interesting conversation because I think at the moment <clears throat> there's certainly a lot of, I mean, outside of what we're doing now, but there's certainly a lot of conversation happening about the roles of men and women, right? And like equality and all that sort of stuff. But what I think is interesting is not to, not to deny that there are, or certainly to explore the idea that, that in theory there are biological character traits for men and for women. And that is not to say that every man has all of these character traits and every woman has all of those character traits. Um, and it's also not to say that there is crossover because I genuinely believe that there is. Um, and so I, I think like it's interesting because like, you know, there's definitely times where I do things where I'm like, uh, I'm such a bloke. Do you know what I mean? Like you're just like, oh, I'm disappointing myself. <laughs> I'm such a bloke, you know, I'm such a slob. I mean, you know, just stupid things like, for example, like I was, I've joked about the fact that I've got uh, probably about eight plain t-shirts, right, which I rotate and I buy three pairs of jeans at a time, that sort of thing. So it's like, I do that because my interest in fashion is zero to none, right? So I'm like, you know, and you characterize that as like a male thing, but then that's not to say that every man is not interested. Of course not, absolutely not, right? Um, you know, our son is like really into trains, diggers, all this sort of stuff, mm -hmm. right? Have we made sure that we give him gender neutral toys? Absolutely. He has a pink pram, which he pushes around and loves it. And we've got him a kitchen that he plays with and all sorts of things that you would otherwise probably say are typically girls toys. But he just gravitates towards that sort of stuff. And is that a biological thing? I believe that there are biological traits that evolution has meant the, the male having been the person that often has to do those jobs in history has it's almost been like we've sort of been bred in that direction and then women have been bred in that direction and so here we are but then society's like but actually we're not all like that and so it's okay if you're not like that um and my son yeah he totally is gravitating towards that stuff and i'm like i just find it totally weird to watch it happen but then am i surprised probably not no and my daughter you know she she loves nails hair makeup you know dressing up and you know making herself look pretty and all that sort of stuff but then you know not being funny if you look back on thousands of years of evolution if that's if that's how you see the world by the way i should clarify that um for me logically i'm like well look at our roles Look at what we have come to be as men and women. And it's only now that our intelligence, I believe, is surpassing biology. So now we're starting to be smarter than that. And so it's like we're battling against biology almost. Do you know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Um, and logically you can follow that argument as well if you like. So. So for the people who didn't, 
Well, if you think about a male role in, in nature, so a male role is to defend territory for its family. Female tigers do all the hunting. Male tigers sit about and fight each other. You know, elephants the same, orangutans, gorillas, all these animals to do it. So if you if you take that argument that you know a traditional male role over centuries has been defend from enemy attack, and that's about it. Maybe chop some wood now and again. Um, but if you look at society over the last 500 years, so you get rich people who haven't had to do fighting anymore because they can pay somebody else to do that. And then normal men's development has been that, you know, up to 200 years ago, lots of men went off to war. But then you develop rifles and guns and stuff, so less people have to get involved and you don't have to actually go and fight you, you know, can just shoot you from miles away. Um, and um, and you're right. So it's it's a tiny bit of history. If that's your view, there's a tiny bit of history where men are now a bit like, oh, I've got to get involved in normal daily life. And yeah, it's going to take a while to catch up because um, that role of protecting. Generally speaking, we don't need to do it. We can all get a bit gung ho at the moment. There's lots of people shouting, aren't there, at the moment in the, the world political situation of who's on the right side and who's on the wrong side and everybody's shaking their fists at everybody, which is a bit of a throwback. But, you know, most people aren't going to get involved. They're going to carry on being at home, being shouted at for not doing the dishes or, you know, chasing after their kids to do normal stuff. So it is a bit strange. You know, if you look at it that way, then yes, the change is very recent and hard to get used to. But then again, there's only about 3% biological difference between males and females. So, but there seems to be a lot more than 3% difference in collective stereotypical behaviour. So, yeah, yeah. so what of its biological and what of its cultural norms? Yeah. I, I guess I would slightly disagree with you when you're talking about intelligence catching up. I think actually what's happened is more, and this is kind of a synthesis of the YouTube views really, is that you've got a period of peace and prosperity where we can catch our breath um, and then we have to rethink. That's when the intelligence part comes in. Mm -hmm. So I think intelligence has always been there. It's just been misallocated to other things like staying alive, mm -hmm. staying warm, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, something else you said as well also reminded me of, um, there's a chap I know who I went on this, this course with. Uh, he used to try and trump every uh, discussion by saying, I am a scientist, and establishing his credentials like that. Anyway, he was such a scientist that when he was drunk once, nearly swore, when he was drunk, uh, he said, I don't think you're much of a man. I don't think you have a lot of testosterone. <laughs> and it was the case of, I don't think that's very scientific at all, is it? <laughs> and you're an idiot. <laughs> so that's another view of, uh, I guess, you know, sort of the, the more the biological angle. So the way talking about that, <laughs> that, that aspect of um, one-upping or that sense of male competition. Yes. You know, it could get quite destructive. So how has that played a role in, in any of your lives, if, if at all? In my life, it has led to me um, leaving jobs. Um, I used to work in the City of London, uh, and I left a job because of the ape-like behaviour and the one-upmanship from, from my colleagues. Um, 
I just didn't fit in there. Um, this is back in the early 2000s when there's a lot of eco-activism and there was a chap, some of you might remember, called Swampy, who I think just lived in a, a hole in the ground and was very scruffy and all that kind <laughs> of thing, and very stereotypically, you know, eco-warrior of the, of the time. Uh, and I used to just get called that because, you know, I just didn't dress like the rest of the people there and I didn't join in their games or didn't profess allegiance to a football side or any of this kind of thing. So uh, that sort of competitive, you know, one-upmanship one um, point scoring amongst men, you know, it's, uh, it's been destructive, but also in retrospect, also I kind of think, you know, my life's got better by just going, forget it, move on. One of the things that I wrote down before coming here was um, stag parties. Uh, Bachelor parties, that's it. Um, so every time I go on a stag do, there's always talk of a strip club. Strip clubs make me hideously uncomfortable. Um, and and I and I and I won't go anymore. And that's always a um, a very unpopular opinion on a stag do when you're like one of 20 blokes who's like actually just gonna put my hand up and say not that keen. So if you wanna go, I'll just like get you on the other side. Um, and I actually did that, I was in Hamburg on a stag do and they all went to the strip club and I went to the casino on my own. And almost got into a fight with a German guy about blackjack. But anyway, I'd have much rather that than the strip club, frankly. Um, but it's that sort of thing where you're made to feel about this big because you don't want to do something that's perceived to be macho and, oh, you know, ooh, lads, lads, lads. And you're like, oh, not really into it, to be honest. Like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. So I'm just going to distance myself from it. I'm not saying you shouldn't do it. Do what you want. Just, I'm not getting involved, you know. Um, so yeah, there's there's that sort of thing, um, and like certain certain social events where I think I think you touched on this before, but like um, you know, guys that are like, oh, pull up pull up competitions or press up competitions, and, oh, and I'm like. No thanks. I don't. I don't. I don't need to get down and do press ups or a bloody arm wrestle with someone. To to what? Not like you know. I guess what you're saying. Some sometimes. Uh, so if there's a group of guys and they're all planning to go to the strip club, there'll be probably people in that group of guys that not necessarily feel comfortable, mm -hmm. but they just go along with it mm -hmm. to be seen perceived as being. One of the guys, he's, he's manly enough, yeah. but really he's probably sitting there putting a fake smile on, pretending he's enjoying it, but thinking in his mind, I really don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. You know? Because it's not a comfortable place to be. No, no. Like, but you can, as you say, some people might not have the courage to speak out mm -hmm. and to say, like you did, and go, like, you guys, I'm going to give this a miss because the stigma that they may feel that they might be labelled with. So they'll just think, you know safe face i'll just go with them you know and they're sitting there pretending they're enjoying the environment just so people can be accepted mm -hmm. i think that that's the sort of stuff that i think needs to change yeah to be honest just speak out and say uh -huh. i was like yourself 
I just go in and get what I wanted, a top here, a bottoms here, trainers here, I got my stuff and away I went. And then I got married and then I went shopping with my wife. Wow, that was something else, because like, I hadn't experienced this before, I was like, what? It takes this long. Come on, just get what you need. Do you not know what you need? Just <laughs> yeah. pick it up from the, and let's go. Okay, it's not in this shop, we'll get out of that shop, we'll go to another shop, check. But they have to go through all the rails, go up the shop, go down the shop, get out there, oh, go to another place. Classic. And then they'll go back to the same shop again. But the other thing they do is they buy everything. They think well, they've got it, it they go home, they try it on, and then they think, no. And for me, that was like, wow, this really happens. But I tell you what, eventually I got so frustrated with it that I went in with my wife and I started picking things off the, the rack for her just to get things done quicker. Come on, you look there, I'll look that side. And we're going through the racks. Right, I know what size you're right, go take us in quickly, go try it on, you might look good in this. But you know what? I've realised I'm pretty good at it now. So she's like, we're going shopping, you need to take time off work because we're going shopping and you're coming with me because I can't shop without you. And I thought, like, what, seriously? <laughs> so I just shot myself in the foot with that one. <laughs> And then, and then now, now I go home and um, my oldest, my oldest daughter, she, you know, she's there, and I come home with my wife, and they're like, "Oh, have you been shopping?" Yeah, and she'll tell her, "I, I got fed up looking, but you know, he found lots of stuff, and look at this one. This looks great to me. He's doing a good job." Oh, aye, aye. And now she calls me Lady Boy, my, my daughter, and then even my younger one, she's like, "Lady Boy, did he, did Lady Boy buy you that, Mum? You know, and all." But I just banter oh, anyway, oh. you know. But that way, you know, it's just. Uh, yeah. That you're with that. yeah, 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 I think it's fun, you know, um, but yeah, I'm pretty good at picking ladies' clothing by the way, so any ladies have any, uh, want good any advice, yeah, yeah, just uh, send them my way, we'll go shopping, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I need to go shopping then I'll let you know. <laughs> when it comes to guys, it's simple, it's just pre-market, it's like those, uh, T-shirts and bottoms and thingy and away out we go. <laughs> so if you come up to the house and they're saying, lady boy, it's for you, someone's at the door, you know why, you know why. The other thing is that people actually find that quite weird because like um, when we get guests come up to the house and like he'll come up, this man will come up some, and um, I'll, I'll make a comment about something and it's... Um, it's a very f affectionate comment or something I make, and my daughter's there listening. She goes, she go, this man or someone, yeah, he knows that because he's such a lady boy, you know that kind of way. Just <laughs> so it's like a known kind of uh, joke in the house. It's, uh, but I go with it because it's fun. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> now we know. <laughs> now you know. <laughs> it's actually kind of find a bit uplifting as well. You know, it's like stuff you said, everyone says stuff, and I'm like, yeah, it happened to me as well. I've seen that as well. Yeah, I, me I remember that. It happened to me as well. I remember that time I fell down, and then my dad said to me, I was crying. He goes, why are you crying for? Not because of my injury. I was like, that, that was secondary, you know? But, but I didn't understand where he's coming from. It was, it was not always a, it was bad intentions, that's just the way he was. But it's like, but it's good to hear everyone else had that kind of similar experience as well, yeah. But I think just, do you know what? Just talk to people. Just be yourself. And we just had a simple discussion about a random topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And over an hour now, and it's just, and the way it's gone, I feel that I've taken a lot from you. I think 
just the exp- what we talked about. I'm thinking now, how am I going to take from tomorrow? How am I going to take them board now? Because I can, I feel like I really look at things in a different way now. So I'm like, and this has been a short time. So that also is a reflection of men only talk, and in a wee small situation, a small time. Now, you know. We need spaces like this. We need uh, um, places where we can be open, um, where we can, where, where we can chat, where we can challenge each other, where we can hear and listen to each other. I think, uh, um, I think, spaces like this are not there, um, and we need to have more spaces like this. We need to have more discussions like this um, um, to help us to to become good citizens. I suppose. I guess my takeaway would be is that a community already exists mm. where you can get help, you can get advice, and you can get feedback, and you can get a get an ear. It's just that we often don't know how that community is is networked. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so we to go exactly to your point there. This is we we all have something yeah. in common. Um, we live in this great city. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, we have a shared cultural background. Yeah. Um, I'm going to guess we're all of similarish ages. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we would have had um, experiences of you know of doing silly things in our twenties. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. are going to be common to all of us. Yeah. Um, and of dealing with families as they grow older, both in terms of say parents and in terms of, of children in some cases as well. But that that community already exists. Yeah. It's just how to you just to make it spark yeah and I think today has been an example of how you start to make that spark yeah I was a wee bit I spoke to yourself I was very a wee bit anxious about coming here because a lot of people I didn't know so I was like we're going to have these conversations and there was a lot of issues there very personal issues very you know joining men's you know chat and what are we going to chat about? And I'm going to feel very <laughs> nervous, I'm extremely genuine. nervous about this. You know, <laughs> I'm going to sound silly. I'm not going to have much input. And that was one of my thing. I'm, if I don't have anything to say, I'm not going to say anything. And I thought, I'm just going to sit here. And I probably spoke the most. But I just thought, I'm just going to sit here. But what, what I would say is that feeling that you have of, you know, I'm just going to stay out of it. Don't do it. If you do it, it's, you're just you know letting yourself down. Mm, yeah. You really are letting yourself. And for me, I think if it was a challenge, but I pushed myself. I goes, no, I'm going to do it. If I mess up, I mess up. But at least I can tick that box and say I went there and done it. What else I can say? It's no <coughs> my cup of tea, and just you know get on with the rest of my routine, my daily thingy as it was before. So definitely, I think you know just push yourself. Just go for it. You've got nothing to lose. Join us for our next episode. And remember, our motto for 2020 is together we can change the world. Many men, many conversations. I was like, finally.